This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, could the Orioles finally get off the schneid and win a baseball game? We'll look at the night in the NBA and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Big Ben speaks publicly for the first time since the Steelers' uh, disastrous playoff loss last year. And uh, he says his pay cut was his idea. And today is a very special day in Major League Baseball. We'll go over that and much more in the next two hours of the Morning Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always, even though you don't, we'll go through the list anyway. Check out our Twitter pages, just being honest. Just tell them like it is. At WCMD Morning Rush, uh, my Twitter page, at Rush Tony C, our Facebook page, at WCMD uh, Cumberland Radio. All of those pages free and open to the public. Anytime you feel froggy, take the leap. Drop me a line. Send me a message. Private, public, or otherwise. Is there an otherwise? Is there any other thing but private and public? I don't know. Also taking your calls on the rush line. 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial a dance. Shum on. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day minus commercials. You know how it goes by now. If not, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's right there. Just download the Podbean app on your phone or tablet. Every show's up there. So if you missed anything, uh, you go back and listen to it. That's what it's it's there for. All right. Can you tell my attitude just stinks this morning? It's not good. It's not good. I'm not going to lie. My attitude is not good today at all. At all. Let's kick off today's show. We kick off every show with the rock around the region. I want to rock. And we start with Major League Baseball. Could it be? Is it possible? The Orioles won a baseball game. Oh, that's hit big. Way back, forget about it, Pedro Severino joining the hit parade. Boom. Number two for Pedro. Major League fastball. Franco with a drive. That's out of (laughs) here. Is it ever? (laughs) Michael Franco jumped all over that one. A little ambush. Number six. And that ERA just went up. Boy, a lot of loud balls on on fastballs in the middle of the plate tonight. High sliders. The calls on Mid-Atlantic Sportsnet, 7-4 the final. The Orioles beat the Twins to snap their 14-game losing streak. Trey Mancini had two hits and two RBI. Cedric Mullins had two hits and scored twice for the O's. 
who also snapped a 16-game losing streak to Minnesota. Orioles manager Brandon Hyde on the losing streak coming to an end. Still probably a little irritated, but um, yeah, I, it was. Um, you know, the guys are celebrating in there right now. It's, uh, it's definitely nice to get a win and nice to get a a lead early. And um, Zimmerman threw the ball really well. Um, but yeah, it was it was a hold on tight there for the last five or six outs. Coming through the uh, the handshake line, everybody had a big smile on their face, and there you could tell that there was a lot of. Our dugout was really into it. Uh, it helped to, to score some runs. Really, Cedric and Trey got, getting us going twice. Um, just really good at bats early in the game off, off a good starter that, that just beat us uh, you know, a handful of days ago. Uh, but you know, setting Trey setting the tone and and um, our, our dugout was that was the most vocal our dugout has been in probably three years. He mentioned Zimmerman as in Bruce Zimmerman. He allowed just two runs on six hits, seven strikeouts in five and a third innings of work. He got the win to even his record at three and three this season. So the Orioles snapped their 14-game losing streak. Could the Nationals end their five-game slide? Soto to left center on a fastball. See you later. There's some launch angle for Juan Soto. And the Nats lead 11 to 5. Big guys in this ballpark hitting opposite field homers. Bell last night, Zimmerman tonight, Soto tonight. Bob Carpenter, the call on Mid Atlantic Sports Net. Monster game for Juan Soto. Three hits, four RBI, four runs scored. And an 11 6 win over Atlanta. Ryan Zimmerman, also a two-run homer for Washington. Not all the news good, however. Steven Strasburg lasted just one and a third innings. He was hit in the left arm right above his glove uh, by a line drive. He also had tightness in his throwing shoulder. Remember, he spent some time on the injury list with uh, an inflammation in the right shoulder. He will have an MRI uh, today. And in Kansas City, the Royals were a royal pain for the Pirates. Next pitch is hit high in the air to left. Deep. Back. And gone. 9-5 Royals. Perez, second home run of the night. 12th of the season. The call on the Pirates radio network. Two home runs for Salvador Perez. And a grand slam for Andrew Benatendi. As KC doubled up Pittsburgh 10-5. To sweep their two-game series, Adam Frazier and Michael Perez each doubled twice. For the Bucks. Will Crow simply imploded on the mound for Pittsburgh, giving up eight runs on eight hits, including uh, Benintendi's Grand Slam, in just four innings. In high school baseball, Bryson Kogel hit an RBI single in the top of the eighth to give Southern a 4-3 win over Allegheny Tanner Haskell. Hit a three-run homer for Southern, which has won four straight. Elsewhere, Northern had just seven hits, but took advantage of five errors and 12 walks to beat Fort Hill 15-0 in five innings. Mason Brenneman and Logan Miller combined on a one-hitter for the Huskies. Across the river in the West Virginia section playoffs in AAA, 
Preston was no match for Bridgeport, losing 22 to nothing in five innings. Uh, Knights will play an elimination game against Buchanan Upshur today. Also today, Hampshire will play at Washington. In double A, Frankfurt was an 8-2 winner over Berkeley Springs. Colton McTaggart, a two-run single. Brady Whitaker, six innings of three-hit ball for the Falcons. And Grafton beat Kaiser 7-5. So today, Frankfurt will host Grafton and Kaiser will host Berkeley. And in Class A, Pendleton County blanked Pawpaw 12-0. And Tucker County doubled up East Hardy 4-2. Today, three games on tap. In single A, top-seeded Moorfield, who had a bye, will host Tucker County. Number two, Petersburg, also had a bye, will host Pendleton, and Pawpaw will play at East Hardy. In high school softball, those section playoffs underway. In AAA, Preston was blanked by University 11-0. Today, Hampshire is at Jefferson. In Class A, East Hardy beat Pendleton County 6-2, and Moorfield edged Tucker County 8-7, and in Maryland, uh, Kyra Pittman struck out 13 to lead Allegheny over Fort Hill 4-1. to And in college hoops, West Virginia's Taz Sherman announced he is returning to Morgantown for his extra year of eligibility. Sherman entered the NBA draft process shortly after last season when he averaged uh, 13.6 points a game and shot 43% from the floor. He was also second on the team and made threes and free throw percentage. Now, Sean McNeil and Deuce McBride are still in the process of making a decision whether to turn pro or return to Morgantown. And that is your very lengthy, very involved Rock Around the Region uh, brought to you by the Caporale Group. My voice is already shot, and it's just, it's 13 minutes after the hour. <laughs> I already got a little rawness in the throatal region. And we're just getting started. I was outside yesterday. It happens all the time. I work outside. Allergies get to me, and then the next day I'm an absolute mess. Did not take an allergy pill because I'm a moron. And so now I suffer. It was good times at the uh, this Tony C. household yesterday because, you know, love spending my uh, evenings dismantling a fire pit <laughs> just so I can move it and put it somewhere else. <laughs> That's how I like to spend my evenings. I really do. Brick after brick after brick. And then... We have uh, some big old uh, borshes along one of our uh, fence lines. You know, uh, privacy uh, borshes. And they're getting a little bit unruly, out of control. Had some big old weeds. So I went, I, I cleaned up the borshes, right? Got all the big weeds. I'm talking big weeds. Like the weeds were like almost trees. You know what I mean? So I go through uh, the borshes there and clean all that stuff out. And then I, I kind of have one of those, you know, hand-to-forehead moments because I'm sitting there with a giant brush pile now, okay? I'm in my yard, and I just taken down my, my, my fire pit. <laughs> kind of did that backwards. 
didn't really think of the proper order, should have done it in reverse. But I did not. So now I have a giant brush pile in my yard and nowhere to burn it. So there you go. It's good times. Anyway. Good news for the Orioles. So glad that that losing streak is over. So we don't have to talk about it anymore. Hopefully they don't reach those depths again this season. Again, that 14-game slide was tied for the second longest in franchise history. So they they at least stay away from that little bit of history, right? At least they didn't reach the second longest, still tied for second longest. And I like, you know, Brandon Hyde's answer when talking about it. He said, I'm ah, still a little bit annoyed. You know, still a little bit, you know, yeah, yeah, you can celebrate the fact that the losing streak is over. But one game simply doesn't erase the fact that you just lost 14 in a row. So he's like, yeah, you know, the guys are back here celebrating. It's been a while since uh, the locker room. You know, you're looking at two weeks worth of losing, 14 games, if they played every day, right? That's tough. That's tough. That's tough to go two straight weeks without tasting victory, right? So, yeah, you celebrate a little bit. You know, locker room gets a little bit raucous, a little loud, but it's still irritating. Because you just lost 14 in a row. Worst record in Major League Baseball. So the one win, you know, while I'm sure it was welcome, you know, it doesn't, you know, you got to string together two, three, four wins here. You want to get that losing streak. You want to put it in the rear view. But I think the last thing you want to do, and again, uh, they host the, uh, the Twins again today. Or is it today? Tonight? Whenever it is. You don't want to get back into another losing streak. You, you don't want you don't want that 14-game losing streak to turn into, oh, they've lost, you know, 27 out of 28 or something. You know what I mean? You don't want that one win in the middle just to kind of like break up a losing streak. Be nice to string together two or three wins. That kind of gets on some kind of roll. Matt Harvey pitches tonight, by the way, uh, for the Orioles. I think he's lost, what, six straight decisions? But he's pitching on three days rest. So the plan going in is uh, Hyde is going to pitch Harvey one or two innings, and then it's a bullpen game the rest of the way for Baltimore. So I don't like their chances to win two straight. Give them that approach, but you never know. Nats get off the schneid. Juan Soto, he's so good. What a great game last night. You talk about two of the uh, the youngest Brightest stars in baseball going toe to toe. You know, Juan Soto, you know, what did I say? Three hits, four runs driven in. He scored four times, had a two run mash. Just a ridiculous game. Then you had Ronald Acuna Jr. He also went yard. I think he had a two run shot as well. Was it two runs? Yeah. He had three hits. So, so he and Soto both. Had three hits. Just a young stars on display in that game last night. Acuna Jr., three hits, two RBI, one walk. He scored four times. And Soto scored four times as well. And great job on the Nationals' bullpen because, as I mentioned in the Rock Around the Region, you know, 
Uh, Strasburg, again, snake bitten. He gets injured. Line drive off uh, his left wrist, right above the glove. But again, he was experiencing shoulder tightness even before that. And because Davey Martinez visited the mound in the first inning. Strasburg started the game with a four-pitch walk. And something didn't seem right. Something didn't look right. Martinez goes to the mound. Then go to the next inning. He gets line drive. And Martinez is like, that's it. We're done. We're taking him out. We're taking him out. So he only lasts an inning and a third. Then Washington has to go with six relievers after that. Now, again, the Braves scored six runs. But, you know, the Nationals offense helped by scoring 11. I think one thing as a manager you're not ready for, you're not prepared for, unless you're talking about the Orioles today, they're prepared for a bullpen game. You don't prepare for your starter to go an inning and a third. Even if it's Steven Strasburg, Mr. Injury. But Voth went three innings. Uh, Clay went a third. Uh, Wander Suero went one and a third. And Hudson won. Espino won. And uh, Brad Hand with one. So overall, a good bullpen game for the Nats. An unintended a bullpen game. And then you have the Pirates who are just, just terrible. Will Crow, I, I look at the Pirates, and I just, like, how are these guys even in the major leagues? I know we're sitting here talking about, you know, the Orioles breaking a 14-game losing streak and the Nationals breaking a five-game losing streak. At least from time to time, they're fun to watch. At least from time to time, there's a glimmer of hope with, I, I know, it's ridiculous to say after the O's just lost 14, right? I get it. But they have some decent players every, here and there. And I look at the Pirates, like, what do they have? Like Adam Frazier's having a career year. Don't get me wrong. He had two doubles yesterday. He leads a major league in hits. I know Key Brian Hayes, who is scheduled to return to the lineup tomorrow. He's a bright young player. But I was watching that game last night, and I'm just watching Kansas City just tee off on him. You know, the Pirates are trotting out guys like Will Crow. Does anybody know who the hell Will Crow is? Seriously. Had you ever heard of Will Crow before I just brought him up? Like right now? I look at this Pirates lineup, and I just, it's its hard. It's hard to care anymore. They get busted up last night, 10-5. to 5, Crow, eight runs on eight hits in four innings. Lord only knows who they're going to try it out tonight. I'm trying to find it right now. Who are they going to try it out tonight? Or, no, no, they're off. Oh, thank goodness they're off. That's right, because that was a two-game series in Kansas City. So now I guess today is a travel day. Then tomorrow they open up a series. Oh, they got Tyler Anderson going tomorrow. Hall of Famer Tyler Anderson. Gracious. Will Crow. 
Sounds like a seventh grade math teacher. Mr. Crow. And Ben Attendee goes off. Perez goes off. Just look at their lineup. Let me, I'm going I'm to pull up their lineup here real quick. And you tell me like how many of these guys you actually know. Now, if you're a Pirates fan, obviously you have an idea. But if you're a non-Pirates fan, like Michael Perez, the catcher, ever heard of him before today? Kai Tom? Will Craig? Ben Gamble? Now, some of you maybe heard of Wilmore Defoe from his time with Washington. He had two hits last night. Look at these averages for the Pirates. And again, Adam Frazier is the one lone. He's hitting 335 this year. You got Kai Tom, or is it Kai Tom? I don't know how it's pronounced. He's batting a robust 169. Will Craig, he he's the one who had that bonehead play against the Cubs last week. That Will Craig, he's batting 217. Brian Reynolds is respectable. He's 283. Then Gregory Polanco, who is still stealing money from the Pirates, he is still getting away with just grand theft with that contract. He's batting 215. Gamble is batting 175. Defoe, 250. Kevin Newman, 215. Perez, 145. Eric Gonzalez is 214. I mean, my goodness. If you're the owner of the Pirates, how do you sleep at night putting that kind of lineup out? And again, Key Brian Hayes is going to help. The old red beard, uh, Carl Moran, he'll help when he comes back off of the injured list. But even then, we're not we're not talking about super. Hayes may be a superstar. I think he'll be that good. But Carl Moran, he's serviceable. It's hard to watch. And again, I've watched the Pirates my whole life. So it means something when I say they're hard to watch. Because I've seen some lean years from this this ball club, this franchise. They're 20 and 34. Last place. Their season's over. They stink. And aside from Key Brian Hayes, what do they got going on? Like, sell me. Sell me on watching this team. My son keeps on asking if we're going to go to a game this year. Like, before he goes away to college. Which is another reason why I'm just in an awful mood today. Not that he's, not. you know, I love the fact he's going away to college, but the fact he's leaving. And like, yeah, we'll go to a game. We haven't been to a game in over a year. Actually, two years. No, I mean, think about that. We went to opening day weekend two years ago. Obviously, nobody went to a game last year. So it's been around two years, more than two years. So, yeah, we'll go to a game. I still like going to the ballpark, you know. It's still an event. It's still special going to the ballpark. But the fact that I got to sit there, I got to spend money on this team, it gets harder and harder. 
and I'll I'll spend the money not to watch the team, but I'll spend the money to spend time with my family at the ballpark. That's what it's all about. I'll spend my money to see Key Brian Hayes play. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But my goodness. One, two, three. Three guys in the lineup last night batting under 175 or at 175. It's disgraceful. It really is. Thank goodness they're off tonight, so I don't have to worry about it. I can, I can find something else to watch. Because that's, that's what's really... The really painful part is, is I sit here and I just spent the last 10 minutes complaining about them and griping about them. I still watch them because they're still my team. That's that's the thing. It's hard to walk away from. It's hard, you know, that's the life of a sports fan, right? Live and die, win or lose, you're, you ride with them. That's just the way it is. All right, uh, stick around. News and weather coming up next. Rush rolls on WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Had three games on tap last night in the NBA playoffs. Uh, Two pivotal Game 5s out west and uh, one not-so-pivotal Game 5 in the east. Claxton right on the lane, working on Thompson, stumbling. Keeps his pivot foot, backs it on the right wing to Harden. To the right corner, right foot of the net bench. Step back, three on the way. Good for James Harden. He's got 25, and the Nets up by 11 with 10-4 to go here in Game 5. The call on WFAN. The Nets behind James Harden and the Big 3 beat the Celtics 123-109 to close out their first-round series four games to one. I said when the series started that... uh, I would have been surprised if it was a sweep. Boston able to steal one game, but this is is pretty much went as expected. Harden recorded the first playoff triple-double in Nets history. 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. He spoke with the TNT crew after the game. We dealt so much adversity, uh, injuries, COVID protocol, whatever, whatever the case may be. We dealt with a lot of adversity throughout the regular season. So it felt good to get some meaningful games in. Uh, yeah, obviously, in playoffs, you don't want to lose. But, you know, I think it helped us out in the, in the sense of, all right, it's time to, time to lock in now. And, uh, I mean, tonight was a really good job. You know, they're, they're a tough Boston team. They were down a few players, a few of their main players, but they kept fighting, fighting, and, and made it tough for us. James, that fourth quarter blitz was impressive, to say the least, and everybody got in on it. Do runs like that put the league on notice for what you are capable of doing? Yeah, yeah. I hope the world knows. Uh, we're, we're a special group, man, especially when, when we lock in defensively and we get three or four stops in a row. Uh, we're a very special group because offensively we can get it going. We got, we got that much firepower. That clip ended before I thought it was going to. Anyway, Kyrie Irving, 25 points. KD had 24 for the Nets. After playing together in just eight games in the regular season, Brooklyn's big three averaged 85 points a game in the series. That's the most for any three players in a playoff series in NBA history. So Brooklyn moves on to face Milwaukee in round two. It'll be the Nets' first second-round appearance since 2014. The Bucs took two of three from the Nets, in the regular season. But then again, you take that for what it's worth. Because I just said, 
the big three only played together eight times all season long. So it's really hard to gauge how powerful this team can I mean, you saw in this series against Boston. When those three are on the floor at the same time, when they're not injured or in quarantine or whatever, nobody's going to beat them. Nobody's going to beat them. I'm sorry. I hate to tell you that. If Harden and KD and Kyrie are all in the game, their head's in the game, they're physically capable, nobody's going to beat them. You know, the Sixers, Atlanta, nobody out west. Sorry. It's a, it's a done deal. Not even the Bucs. Speaking of out west, we had two pivotal uh, pivotal game fives. The word in English is indeed pivotal. Suns and Lakers and <laughs> Nuggets and Blazers. Both of those series were tied at two games apiece. We'll start in Phoenix, where the Suns hosted the Lakers, minus Anthony Davis, who was out with a groin injury, and uh, this game wasn't even close. Ball up front, ball over on the right side, Paul's three-pointer, Suzanne! Well, I guess he can shoot the three. Time out, Lakers. Seven minutes, 22 seconds till halftime. The Suns lead it by 21-48-27. The call on Arizona Sports 98-7. Phoenix led by 30 at the half. The Lakers' largest halftime deficit in 25 years. The Suns cruise to a 115-85 win to take a 3-2 series lead and put LeBron James and the defending champs on the brink of elimination. The Suns are one win shy of becoming the first team. Becoming is the word in English. My goodness, what? This is where I just can't stand myself when I can't properly speak. One win shy of becoming the first team in 15 tries to send LeBron packing in the first round. However, not all the news was good news for the Suns. Stop. Shoots a three. Won't get this one. And as they went for position underneath. Oh, no. Foul here. Not again. And now, I'll tell you what. Chris Matthews. Paul is upset. He's yes. grabbing that shoulder again. And he got knocked down hard by Matthews. At a by West like. Matthews. And that's what Matthews is out there for. And uh, it's the shoulder. So Chris Paul knocked down, and he has gone quickly over to the side, and he's on the floor. This looks bad. Yes, it does. The call again on Arizona Sports 98-7. Paul uh, re-aggravates the shoulder injury, left the game in the third quarter, did not return. He finished with nine points and six assists. Uh, We'll have to wait and see if he's available uh, for game six tomorrow in L.A., even if he is cleared to go. ESPN's Ryan Holland says, it may be smart to sit him out. I don't know if Chris Paul comes out and plays in the next game. It wouldn't be smart. I think he could really risk it all. Uh, what was that in game four coming out and playing and led his team to victory, t- tallying 18 points. But uh, he may have to sit this one from the sidelines. And, it, and, and we're watching the war of the wounded so far. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to say the Lakers win this next game. Anthony Davis has to play. It's a darn elimination game. I don't care how your groin feels. you got to get out there and play. If you can walk, you can jog, you can play. Figure it out um, at the end of the day. But uh, the Lakers have their back against the wall. I also had LeBron James 
down 3-2 in the series uh, in Boston in the Eastern Conference playoffs with a chance to go to the NBA Finals, and he showed and proved. So uh, the, the last thing I'm going to do, and I want everybody listening at home, do not do, is count out LBJ. But he's going to have to have help. So again, game six tomorrow in L.A. Can LeBron and the champs uh, force a game seven back in Phoenix? Now, while that game was an absolute and complete blowout, the other game five out west was anything but as the Blazers and the Nugs needed extra time to settle their differences. We'll go over that game next right here on The Rush WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Talking about the two pivotal Game 5s out west last night. Uh, The first one, Suns absolutely blowing out the Lakers. The second one, the complete opposite. Double overtime between the Nugs and the Blazers. Blazers had to come back from 22 points down. End of regulation. Dame Lillard, who had the night of all nights, hits a three ball with three seconds left to tie the game at 121 and send the game into overtime. And then, at the end of the first overtime, he did it again. Dame takes it across the timeline, defended by Shaq Harrison. Crosses over, spins around, steps back, fades for three. Got it! Ties it! 50 for Damian Lillard with 6.4 left in the overtime. Game now tied at 135. They go to double overtime. And that was it for Portland. Nicola one-on-one with Cantor. Here comes a double team. Throws it in the corner to Rivers for three. Money! Making him pay on the double team. Timeout, Terry Stotts. Nuggets lead it by three. Denver wins the game. That call right there, by the way, on the uh, altitude, not altitude, altitude. What is altitude? Is that even a word? Altitude (laughs) radio. The Dame call, by the way, was on Rip City Radio. Denver wins 147-140 to despite the efforts of Damian Lillard. 55 points. That is a Portland Trailblazers franchise playoff record. 55 points. He also set an NBA playoff record by hitting 12 three-pointers. And they still lost. His 12 threes uh, broke the record of 11 that was set by uh, Clay Thompson at OKC uh, back in 2016. Lillard scored 17 of Portland's 19 points in the two overtimes. But after he hit his 12th three-pointer with 347 left in the double or second overtime, he didn't score again. And neither did Portland. <laughs> <laughs> he, he hit his 12-3 that put Portland ahead 140 to 138. And they didn't score the rest of the game. The Joker, Nikola Jokic, huge game as usual, 38 points. He was one assist shy of a triple double. And Denver, again, despite the efforts of Dame Lillard, 55 points. They win the game, 147-140.
and they take a three games to two lead in the series, game six going back uh, to Portland. And Lillard, one of those games where we can celebrate the performance, and even he said after the game, it doesn't matter. We lost the game. What I did didn't matter. And really, as time goes on, uh, George Sedano says that, you know what? Yeah, he's right. It won't matter. Unfortunately, those things don't last. Those aren't lasting memories. The Portland fans, they'll remember, but the rest of the league, they'll just be like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 he did hit that game. He had that game when he scored 55 points. That's not going to last very long. Here's the deal, Neil. The Blazers lost this game in the first quarter. They came out sloppy as all sloppy. Down 22 at one point. For sure. And then, of course, just couldn't play defense to save themselves, okay? They got to play D at some point if they want to come back and win this series. Lillard's uh, 55-point game came after a 10-point performance in Game 4. That's what we like to call a bounce back. He was just 1 of 10 in Game 4, 10 points. Last night, 17 of 24 from the floor, 12 of 17 from 3, 9 of 10 from the foul line. I, I do believe he is definitely in the lead for our player who delivered uh, next hour, which we rarely ever give to somebody on a losing team. Usually it's somebody, you know, who delivers in the clutch in a victory. But come on. I don't know how long the Blazers have been around. It's been a while. I'll have to look it up during the break. But to go for a franchise record 55 and an NBA record, a playoff record, 12 threes, losing effort or not, that's a hell of a performance. Too bad the rest of his team, as you heard George say, couldn't play defense. Got to play some kind of D, man. You have to. You have to. So the Nugs go up 3-2, to the Suns go up 3-2, and the Nets, uh, they close out the Celtics in five games. Tonight, four games on tap. And we'll touch on these uh, next hour. But real quick, Philadelphia, a chance to close out Washington in Philly. Sixers lead that series 3-1. to one. The Hawks, a chance to close out the Knicks tonight in New York. They lead 3-1. to one. The Jazz, a chance at home to close out the Grizzlies. They lead 3-1. to one. And speaking of a pivotal game fives out west, the Mavs and the Clippers in Los Angeles tonight, that series tied at two games apiece. Big question in that Sixers-Wizards game tonight. Will Joel Embiid play? He is listed as doubtful. Now the question is, not only will he play tonight, but will he play the rest of the playoffs? We'll talk about that and much more. In the next hour, stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. All right. Uh, Speaking of that extensive rock around the region, uh, let's do it. I want to rock right now. And we start with Major League Baseball. Can you believe it? Miracles do happen. The Orioles want to play a baseball game. Oh, that's hit big. 
way back, forget about it, Pedro Severino joining the hit parade. Boom. Number two for Pedro. Major League fastball. Franco with a drive. That's out of here. <laughs> Is it ever? <laughs> Michael Black. Franco jumped all over that one. A little ambush. Number six. And that ERA just went up. Boy, a lot of loud balls on, on fastballs in the middle of the plate tonight. High sliders. The calls on Mid-Atlantic Sportsnet. You like how I screwed that up? Did you like that? That was good. That was perfect. There's a nice little setup I had there. Oh, can you believe it? Miracles happen. And then I messed it up by saying the Orioles want a playoff game. Which we know that's not going to happen anytime soon. Anyway, uh, 7-4 the final. Orioles beat the Twins to snap their 14-game losing streak. Trey Mancini had two hits and two RBI. Cedric Mullins had two hits and scored twice uh, for the O's, who also snapped a 16-game losing streak to Minnesota. Orioles manager Brandon Hyde on the losing streak coming to an end. Still probably a little irritated, but, um, yeah, I, it was, um, you know, the guys are celebrating in there right now. And it's, uh, it's definitely nice to get a win and nice to get a, a lead early, and um, Zimmerman threw the ball really well. Um, but yeah, it was it was a hold on tight there for the last five or six outs. Coming through the uh, the handshake line, everybody had a big smile on their face, and there you could tell that there was a lot of our dugout was really into it. Uh, it helped to, to score some runs early. Cedric and Trey got, getting us going twice, um, just really good at bats early in the game off off a good starter that, that just beat us uh, you know, a handful of days ago. Uh, but you know, setting Trey setting the tone and and. Um, our, our dugout was that was the most vocal our dugout has been in probably three years. Now he mentioned uh, Zimmerman, as in Bruce Zimmerman, two runs on six hits, seven strikeouts in five and a third innings. Uh, he evens his record at three and three. Tonight, Matt Harvey goes for the O's on just three days rest. The plan there, uh, Harvey will pitch just one or two innings and they'll go bullpen. Uh, the rest of the way. So the Orioles snapped their 14-game losing streak. Could the Nationals end their five-game slide? Soto to left center on a fastball. See you later. There's some launch angle for Juan Soto. And the Nats lead 11-5. Big guys in this ballpark hitting opposite field homers. Bell last night, Zimmerman tonight, Soto tonight. Bob Carpenter, the call on Mid-Atlantic Sportsnet. Monster game for Juan Soto. Three hits, four RBI, four runs scored in the Nats' 11-6 win over Atlanta. Ryan Zimmerman also had a two-run homer for Washington. Steven Strasburg, again with the injuries. He lasted just one in a third innings. Uh, he was hit in the left arm right above his glove by a line drive. He also had tightness in his throwing shoulder. He will have an MRI today. And in Kansas City, the Royals were a royal pain for the Pirates. Next pitch is hit high in the air to left. Deep. Back. And gone. 9-5 Royals. Perez, second home run of the night. 12th of the season. 
The call on the Pirates Radio Network, two home runs for Salvador Perez and a grand slam for Andrew Benatendi as KC doubled up Pittsburgh 10-5 to sweep the two-game series. Uh, Adam Frazier and Michael Perez each doubled twice for the Bucs. Will Crow uh, was terrible. Eight runs on eight hits in just four innings. In high school baseball, uh, Bryson Kogel hit an RBI single in the top of the eighth to give Southern a 4-3 win over Allegheny. Uh, Tanner Haskell hit a three-run homer for Southern, which has won four straight. Elsewhere, Northern had just seven hits, but took advantage of five errors and 12 walks to beat Fort Hill 15-0 in five innings. Uh, Mason Brenneman and Logan Miller combined on a one-hitter for the Huskies. Across the river in the West Virginia section playoffs in Triple A, Preston was no match for Bridgeport, losing 22 to nothing in five innings. Knight will play, or Knight. Knight, I need a vacation. We'll play an elimination game against Buckhannon Upshur today. Also today, Hampshire will play at Washington. In Double A, Frankfurt was an 8 2 winner over Berkeley Springs. Colton McTaggart tags. A two-run single, Brady Whitaker, a six innings of three-hit ball for the Falcons. And Grafton beat Kaiser 7-5. So today, Frankfurt will host Grafton. Kaiser will host Berkeley. And in Class A, Pendleton County uh, blanked Pawpaw 12-0. Tucker County doubled up East Hardy 4-2. Today, three games on tap. Top-seeded Moorfield, which had a bye, will host Tucker Number two, Petersburg, also had a bye. Uh, they will host Pendleton. Pawpaw will play at East Hardy. In high school softball, those section playoffs underway in West Virginia. In AAA, another tough game for, Pre- for Preston. They were blanked. I give up. I give up. I give up. What is the point of doing a radio show when you simply can't speak English? My goodness. I apologize. This is awful. I I just can't get the words out. I just can't. This is amazing. This has been going on for an hour plus now. What did I leave off? I can't even remember. Preston lost University 11-0. Today, Hampshire is at Jefferson. Maybe if I talk like this, then I can make sure every word comes out properly. In Class A, East Hardy beat Pendleton County 6-2, and Moorfield edged Tucker County 8-7. It truly is amazing. I do need a vacation. I'm serious. And in Maryland, a great game for Kyra Pittman. She struck out 13 to lead Allegheny over Fort Hill a 4-1. And in college hoops, West Virginia's Taz Sherman announced he is returning to Morgantown for his extra year of eligibility. Sherman entered the NBA draft process shortly after last season when he averaged 13.5 points a game, shot 43% from the floor. He was second on the team in made threes and free throw percentage. So Taz, good news for Bob Huggins and crew heading back to the Mountaineers. Sean McNeil and Deuce McBride are still in the process of making their decisions. They are still in the NBA draft process, so... I expect McNeil back. 
I do not expect Deuce McBride back. If any of those guys, and we said this whenever it happened, because they all seem to declare like one after the other after the other, boom, boom, boom. I figured Taz would come back. I figure McNeil's coming back. Like the only player good enough, no, I shouldn't say good enough. But what's, what am I trying to say here? The only I don't want to disrespect McNeil and Taz. But the only player that really seems NBA ready out of the three is Deuce McBride. And I don't even think he's that ready. So I wouldn't be surprised if all three came back to play one more year for West Virginia. But if any of those three have, have a chance to go to the NBA, it's Deuce. So we'll see what happens. And that is your Rock Around the Region uh, brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. What are those things that we advertise? You hear the commercials or spots, as we call them in the business. Like when you learn a language, is it AbbVie or something like that? I can't remember. You hear them all the time here on the station. I can't. I think it's is it Rosetta Stone. You learn a new language. Maybe I need that. Maybe I need to relearn the English language because I'm just, I'm just, I'm terrible today. I'm just awful. And I can admit it. I'll tell you what it is. My mind just isn't right. It's just not right. And and I'll, I will sit there. I'm telling you. Look, every now and then, I will uh, divulge a personal piece of information. Because to me, it's therapeutic. Now, I know you may or may not care. So if you just hear me out and it's let me let me talk, then maybe I'll feel better. Like my son graduated on Sunday. From high school. And if you listen to the show at all, you know what my son means to me. You know, I, look, I, I always consider myself a tough guy, right? Especially back in the day, my younger days. Okay, I, I've, I've mellowed out. I've softened a bit uh, in my older age, all right? Yeah, I, I don't expect to get in any bar fights anytime soon. Or at least ones that I won't start anyway. But I, I've kind of, you know, I've always considered myself a, a, a you know, a rough guy. When it comes to my son, I'm I'm total mush. Okay, I just am. Right? He's 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 our, our one and only child. And you know, let's face it, you know, the, the world has revolved around him for the past 17, 18 years. So he, he graduates high school Sunday. And I just point being, it has affected me a lot more than I thought it would. Does that make sense? Like the past look, it's an exciting time. High school graduation, it's the end of a cha- you know, uh, the next chapter, or whatever I'm trying to say here. The end of the previous chapter, start of a new one, let's put it that way. But if, if you ever had a, a child or children graduate high school, you know it, it's a bittersweet thing. Because it's a hell of an accomplishment. But it's over, right? It's It's... I don't know. There's such a, a a finality to it. And while I am excited, and, and you know, most parents are excited to see what their their child or children do next, whether it's go to college or go to the service or uh, go into the workforce or whatever, go into a trade. It's hard to leave the rest behind. Does that make sense? 
like I knew it was going to be tough. You know, because me and my son, he, you know, he uh, bright kid, ran cross country, track, you know, involved in sports most of his life. Because I'm a sports guy, obviously. So it was always exciting to see him practice or, or run a race or whatever. And and he and his teammates and his friends. And you know, you know how it is. If you're a parent, you understand. You get involved. You get wrapped up in what your kids are doing. And not that I won't get wrapped up in what he's doing in college because he's going to go run across country and track in college. But there's something different about high school. You know, and as as like the end of high school neared, you kind of have what I call a list of lasts, right? And you you kind of you kind of check them off as you go along. Last time doing this, last time doing right, last day of school. Uh, last cross country meet, or maybe last, if depending on what's, you know, if you play the sport, you know, last football game, last basketball game, last band competition, last cheerleading competition, you know, last practice. Last, you know, it's the list of last. And in this, in this funky pandemic year, graduation wasn't the last last. He actually, there's actually one more track meet. Tomorrow, regional track me. But you still, you count them down. You look at them, you check off the list. And I'm telling you, I, like, I knew it was going to be, somebody, I ran into, uh, or I talked to uh, the father of a, a kid that I coached. He graduated on Sunday as well. And we were just talking after graduation. We were on the, on the football field there at Frankfurt. And like he, you could tell, like he was feeling what I was feeling, right? We were both feeling the same thing. We both had. It's like I was looking into a mirror, because he just said that it, his heart was heavy, which I. If you don't have kids and you've never gone through it, you don't understand it, I guess. Because it's supposed to be a time for celebration, and it was, but at the same time, you have a heavy heart because. I don't know. It, it, it's it's just that chapter comes to an end, and it's it's difficult to navigate. It's just, it's just hit, like past couple of days for me. I've been a mess. I've been a mess. I'm not gonna lie. I've been a mess. You know, and it's just a, a roller coaster of these emotions. It's happiness. It's sadness. It's excitement. It's melancholy. It's just all these things that you as a parent go through that I guess I guess it just takes time I I suppose I don't know but my, my mind just hasn't been right since Sunday it just hasn't and so much to the point where my wife even noticed it Mrs. C was like what's what what is wrong with you <laughs> of course she asked that a lot if I'm being <laughs> if I'm being honest sometimes it's it's the thing it's different from others I'm just I'm just not focused. I just I'm just being on. I'm just not focused. I don't want to. I don't know if it's. I don't want to call it depression. I don't want to go that far. But my the graduation has just hit me in a way that I did not expect it to hit me. God help me when he moves away to college. I, I might I might just. You know, fall off the face of the earth. 
<laughs> this is just high school graduation, man. When he moves away to college, forget about it. I'm going to be a basket case. I'm just, I'm just, just, I'm just going to be a zombie. Just, he might as, I'll just check out for a while. So, all right, that's enough of that. That's not again. It's therapeutic for me. Thank you for listening. If you've tuned out, I don't blame you. But if you're a parent, you get it. You understand it. Some people can let that stuff roll off their shoulders, roll off their back like nothing. You know, or some people are just affected differently by an event like a graduation or stuff like that. This one, you know, I knew it was going to be bittersweet. I knew it was going to be what it was. I just did not expect it to hit me like it did. And it just, that's just the way it is. So if I'm not here, if I'm not right, if I'm making mistakes, if I just seem out of it, I am. And I apologize. And that's that's just the way. I'm just being honest. Nothing else I could do other than that, right? All right, we've got weather and news coming up. Then we'll get back to uh, some more sports talk. That's what we're supposed to do here. Uh, Stick around, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. The Wizards, the end could come for them tonight. They take on the 76ers in Philly, Game 5 of their series. Sixers lead three games to one. Big news from that game tonight. Philly's best player, Joel Embiid, listed as doubtful to play in the game. He suffered a knee injury in Game 4. Just 11 minutes in. Uh, he hit the floor hard. Robin Lopez blocked a shot. Embiid went down hard. He first came up kind of grabbing his back, and it turned out to be a leg injury. Had an MRI yesterday. He will be further evaluated within the next 24 hours. With more on that, as soon as I can find the clip here, because I can't find the cursor. I just love that. This this. This crap morning just continues. It gets, it, gets, it gets better and better as it goes along. This is amazing. Here's Brian Winhorst. The Sixers were playing so well. He was playing the best basketball of his career. Now, the Wizards were overmatched, but if you watch this series, which I've been covering this series for ESPN, he has never been in a better place from all three levels. I would say that this MRI that he's supposed to have today is the most important piece of data in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And again, that MRI was yesterday. They listed him as doubtful. Now, what happens after tonight? Don't know. Maybe he plays in game six, if there's a game six. And again, he only played 11 minutes last game. And the Wizards only won that game by eight. So the Sixers, still good enough, I think, to win without Embiid at least this series. After that, forget it. I mean, forget it. I don't even know if they can get past the Hawks without Embiid. They definitely can't get past the Bucks or the Nets without Embiid. That's just not going to happen. All respect to Ben Simmons and the rest of that team. Without Embiid, their, their NBA title hopes are gone. Just gone. So I expect the Wizards to win tonight. 
Obviously, the mindset changes in game four after Embiid goes out. So the Wizards, you know, not expecting to play that game without having to face Embiid. Chances are they plan a little bit to play tonight's game without, you know, Embiid in the Sixers lineup. Now, the Wizards received bad news of their own yesterday. Davis Bertans is out four to six weeks with a right calf strain. He had an MRI to detect that injury, so he's done. He had 15 points in game four before he left that game with the injury. So two big men out tonight's game, obviously Embiid. No, again, no disrespect to Davis Bertans, but he's no Joel Embiid. So both teams dealing with some injury issues, just like the Suns-Lakers series. The Suns now with Chris Paul in the shoulder. The Lakers with AD in his groin. Now we got Bertans with his calf and Embiid with his knee. Big-time players going down in big-time situations across the NBA. Robin Lopez will probably, he had 16 points in game four. So he'll have to step up and have a bigger game tonight for the Wizards, especially with Bertans out, especially against an Embiid-less Sixers team. So the Wizards could win tonight. I know it's in Philly. It's going to be tough. But if Washington can win tonight and get the series back to D.C., with Embiid probably still questionable at that point, who knows? I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not saying they're going to win the series. I think the Sixers are still good enough without Embiid to win one of these next three games against the Wizards and win the series. But I'm just saying it could get interesting. Now watch Philly win tonight by 30. <laughs> watch it. They just blow them out of the water. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, some NFL news. Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben. Speaking publicly yesterday for the first time since the Steelers were blown out by the Browns last year in the playoffs. Of course, the big story about Big Ben this year, uh, was he going to come back and play again? He was going to be a $41.25 million cap hit, which the team pretty much told him that's not going to happen. Like, we can't, we can't bring you back. With that cap hit, we got to work something out. So Ben, talking to reporters yesterday, again for the first time since last season, you know, said, hey, the pay cut, man, that was on me. Ray, it was my idea. Um, I told him I want to help the team out however we can. And so I went to them and told them that I would do whatever I could to help the team sign, you know, the, the guys that are going to help us win football games. I've been extremely blessed to play this game for a long time. And so – um, you know, that was one of the reasons I wanted to come back because I knew we had a obviously a great defense and some some amazing weapons on offense. And so I wanted to, to come back to be a part of what I think is a special football team that everyone's overlooking, which is kind of cool too. And so in order to do that, to help get guys here, I felt that it was necessary to do that. So he re-signed the deal or he redid his contract. He took a $5 million pay cut to help the team out. Uh, I don't... <laughs> I don't buy that it was his idea. The team, I don't think, left him a choice. Right? I don't think 
Big Ben willingly went to the Steelers and said, hey, uh, let, me pay a, let me take a pay cut to help the team. I think the team said, uh, you, need to pay, you need to take a pay cut. Why can't I say take a pay cut? You need to take a pay cut or else you can't come back. Then he's like, ah, all right, let's do it. So I don't think it was entirely – he may have, you know, initiated the action. He may have initiated the conversation to get the pay cut. But I, I think he saw the writing on the wall. That if he wanted to come back and play for the Steelers, the only way to do it was to restructure his contract. It was the only way. Because the cap hit was too big. So, regardless of who said what, who did what first, he took the big gut. He's back for another year. He says he's excited. Defense should be pretty good. All the secondary is going to suffer. Because Hilton is gone and Steve Nelson is gone. Offense, got some weapons, he's right. And don't discount one of the last things he said there. That people are overlooking us, and, and that makes it fun. Don't discount that. Because one thing I've noticed about the Steelers, they were like this when Bill Cowher was the coach, and they've been like this when Mike Tomlin is the coach. It just seems like when they're not expected to do much, that's when they do a lot. Does that make sense? Like when when they're not favored to win the division, when they're not favored to go deep into the playoffs, when because a lot of people, including myself, don't expect much from the Steelers this year. They just don't. I said they would go what uh, was it seven and ten. I can't remember because remember. 17 game season this year. So I think I said 7 and 10 or 8 and 9, something like that. Sub 500. But it seems like the Steelers, when, when, when you count them out, that's when they really they bring it. And they're paying attention to what people are saying. They're paying attention to what people are predicting. He, he, he said it. They're being overlooked. Everybody's talking about the Ravens. Everybody's talking about the Browns. People still love the Browns. The Bengals are getting better with Joe Burrow at quarterback. That's something that the Steelers might, you know, build their entire season off of. Nobody believes in us. Nobody, everybody's overlooking us. Uh, Let's see what happens. So we'll see. Now, it's all going to depend on Ben, right? How's the arm? He says the elbow is healed. He did admit that he, you know, got tired down the stretch last year. How that's going to change this year when he's a year older, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, hey, I guess Tom Brady does it, right? Not that Big Ben's any Tom Brady, but you know what I mean. So we'll see. All right, he says the pay cut was my idea. He took a pay cut. He's coming back. Likes where the team is, and we'll see what happens. Was it five? Yeah, okay, it was five million. All right, uh, let's get a break. One last break. Uh, before we get out of here. When we come back, we'll uh, check on the player who delivered. And today is a uh, special day in Major League Baseball. And we'll tell you about it next. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230 WCMD. This 
is the morning rush. Time to check on the player who delivered. Brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about this guy right here? Dame takes it across the timeline. Defended by Shaq Harrison. Crosses over. Spins around. Steps back. Fades for three. Got it! Ties it! 50 for Damian Lillard with 6.4 left in the overtime. The call on Rip City Radio. Portland's Damian Lillard. Went for a franchise playoff record 55 points, including an NBA playoff record 12 three-pointers against Denver last night. He hit game-tying threes at the end of regulation and at the end of the first overtime. He scored 17 of Portland's 19 points in the two overtimes, The problem is, uh, they still lost the game. In double OT, 147-140, to the Nugs take a 3-2 series lead over the Blazers. Very rarely do we give the player who delivered to a player on a losing team, but you can't deny the efforts of Dame Lillard. 55 points, 12 three-pointers, breaking the previous record of 11 set by Clay Thompson uh, at Oklahoma City, well, for the Warriors at Oklahoma City, uh, back in 2016. So Dame Lillard, our player who delivered as best he could, uh, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. All right. Today is uh, June 2nd. This day and every June 2nd afterwards, will be known as Lou Gehrig Day in Major League Baseball. With the story on how this day came about, here's ESPN's uh, Jeff Passan. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Lou Gehrig inspired people. It's perfect for a lot of people in this fight. It's perfect for Brian. I live, eat, breathe. Baseball, always have, always will. Brian Wayne Galantine, known to his friends as B. Wayne, was a husband, father of two boys, and a lifelong baseball fan. In 2017, he was diagnosed with ALS, better known as Lou Gehrig's disease, a progressive neurodegenerative disease that affects the nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord. There is no known cure. The diagnosis, the two to five years. That's the one that I think hit the hardest, was just trying to wrap our heads around what does two to five years look like? And, you know, we have these two little boys. And what's that going to look like for them? I didn't want this diagnosis, but in a weird way, I'm okay with it because I have, you know, a bigger purpose now. That purpose was to bring awareness to ALS through his favorite sport. In June 2019, Galantine reached out to his friends Steve and Chuck Haberstroh, whom he met through the tight-knit ALS community. He sent a text to my brother Steve saying basically, like, why isn't there like a Lou Gehrig day? So that's an interesting idea, B. Wayne. Lou Gehrig was a Hall of Fame first baseman for the New York Yankees. His record streak of 2,130 consecutive games played and his career 
ended after he was diagnosed with ALS in 1939. Lou Gehrig really affected him and inspired him to basically live up to those things that Lou Gehrig said in his speech and really help others through baseball. My voice is changing. It's a little more slurred, but I'm still here. With Galantine's health worsening, time was of the essence. After months of planning and only a few MLB teams on board, the mission hit a stagnant period. Galantine never relented. He wouldn't take no for an answer. He said, it's going to be easy. When they hear our story, they're going to have to say yes. It consumed him in a, such a beautiful way. It gave him something, something really to live for. Then in October 2020, the group took an unconventional approach to reaching the club presidents. They started guessing email addresses. After a few attempts, they guessed one right. Arizona Diamondbacks president, Derek Hall. That is a true story. I got so excited when I saw Lou Gehrig in the email that I immediately wrote back and said, guys, let's do this. Let's figure out how to get this done. Hall worked with other teams to rally support. That day, October 19th, 2020, replies started flying in. This was remarkable because it was instantly. It was, hey, all 30 teams are on board. Is MLB on board? And it was, yes. On October 21st, it became official. June 2nd, the day of first start in his historic games played streak, and the day he passed away in 1941, would be celebrated as Lou Gehrig Day each year across the league. Brian was at that point pretty much on a ventilator, almost 24 hours a day. And I remember him saying, we did it. That night, the very last thing he said before he went to bed, he said that right there was a good day. I left that morning just like any other day and got a call from his caregiver, uh, just that he wasn't breathing. Just one day after seeing his dream come to fruition, Galantine suffered a fatal heart attack due to complications from ALS. He was 53 years old. I just kept thinking back about the night before. He knew that he had done all the things he said he wanted to do. He said, we need a story. What's our story? And it became B. Wayne. B. Wayne has become the story. This is something that thousands and thousands of people will be inspired by, and it'll help change the course of this disease's history. Uh, Brian's oldest son will throw out the first pitch before tonight's uh, Orioles-Twins game at Camden Yards. I did not know that about Lou Gehrig. That his, at that time, record streak of 2,130 straight games played started on June 2nd, and he also died June 2nd. Didn't know that. That is why today, and every June 2nd after today, uh, will be a Lou Gehrig day in uh, Major League Baseball. A reminder tonight, speaking of Major League Baseball, Nationals uh, wrap up their series with the Braves. Uh, That game will be right here on this very station, uh, pregame at 6.50.
Also, some baseball news, some more baseball news. Uh, Mike Marshall, who we've actually had on this show, uh, Joe Shuda, who provides us with our Rush Friday features, one of his features was on Mike Marshall, who was the first reliever to win the Cy Young Award when he set a major league record by pitching 106 games in a season for the Dodgers. He passed away yesterday. He was 78. I'm sorry, uh, Monday. He passed away Monday at his home in Florida. Marshall pitched in the majors from 1967 to 1981 for nine teams. 880 strikeouts, 188 saves. And in 1974, he won the NL Cy Young Award, going 15-12 and 12 with a 2.42 ERA and 21 saves. Again, the first reliever to ever win a Cy Young, Mike Marshall. Iron Mike Marshall, they called him, uh, passing away Monday at 78. So I keep on seeing this news. I see the Grand Slam talking about Naomi Osaka. Uh, leaders of the four Grand Slam tennis tournaments reacted yesterday after she withdrew from the French Open. And the Grand Slam board issued a pledge addressing players' concerns about mental health. So I know there's a little bit of controversy surrounding that. Her dropping out, the Grand you know, French Open saying that she had to meet with media. She didn't want to meet with the media because of her anxiety. And then the Grand Slam board comes out and says she has to meet with the media or else you know, she may, might be banned from, you know, a big controversy. But then on the back end of that, now you have tennis saying, you know, now they'll do their best to kind of address, they're kind of doing a little backpedal now. So we'll see how that plays out as this story, you know, continues to unfold. All right. Uh, Tomorrow we'll talk Wizards and Sixers. We'll talk Nats and O's. Pirates are off tonight, don't forget. And we'll talk whatever else comes down the pike. Hopefully, I'll be able to talk about it better tomorrow uh, than I did today. Thank you for hanging out and listening and and putting up with me today. Tomorrow, we'll be better. 6 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C., And I am done. See ya!